You're listening to Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks and co-host Angelia Savage. We seek to help you relate well so you can live well in all aspects of your life. Welcome to the show that will change your life for the rest of your life. This is Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks, and I'm your co-host, Angelia Savage. And this is a show that's going to help you connect and communicate better with everyone around you. Because when we learn to communicate better with one another, that's when we actually stand in our power and we ultimately become a better spouse, a better parent, a better employee or employer. And basically, we just become better human beings, the one that God intended us to be all along. And this is why Relate Well was created by Dr. Rick Marks. He has a true passion to continually help others become the best version of themselves when relating to each other. And as we know you here in the studio, Dr. Rick, how you doing? Peaceful. Peaceful. Today's a good day to be peaceful. We've Today's got a hurricane peaceful. on the way. That's and true. It's a great day to be peaceful you know, before it, it gets here. You know, my wife was like running around. We got to do this. We got to take all this stuff out of the backyard. We got to put everything <laughs> in the chat. So you're peaceful and, and in the I'm middle like, of all this chaos? And I looked at her and said, honey, I get that there's a hurricane coming. It's not due until like Wednesday, uh-huh. maybe Thursday up here. Yeah. We have plenty of time. <laughs> We've got 24 was, hours. But, but I go, all right. If that means a lot to you that we get it done on Monday, we'll do it Monday. So I, yeah, you know, it's an us thing, right? <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We were talking earlier with our producer, Roger, which is actually from Jamaica. And I lived in the Cayman Islands. So Grand Cayman, we used to always laugh that we knew that there was a hurricane on the way because we, ha- it, this was way back in the day. And, all of our televisions were would go out because everything was satellite down there. Oh. So yeah, we were getting the satellite system off of Miami or somewhere you know somewhere other than that. And so we didn't have television to tell us what was going on. So we were either on our cell phones. But the basic necessity we had to pay attention to was were the chase lounges coming in. When the chase lounges come in off the beach, we knew there was a hurricane on the way. We needed to start taping things up and pay, you know, paying attention to there's some serious winds coming. So unfortunately, I think Cayman has suffered a little bit through this hurricane, Ian, but you know, so our thoughts and prayers are with them. And And uh, for those on the west coast of Florida as well, you know, coming up. You know, I'm looking at the in like Luella, it's gonna be level one, maybe tropical storm. We got it down. Yeah, for us here in Jacksonville, for for everybody who's listening to a podcast, we're here in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, it looks like the West Coast is going to be pummeled, unfortunately. And I think Tampa, what, 100 years it's been since they've had a decent storm come through. So, yeah, they always seem to skate and not get it. So, I don't know. We do pretty well without getting them. I mean, Mm -hmm. particularly they come up the East Coast because you've got the Jets. Well, one, we're inland because, you know, the curve in Florida goes kind of in. Mm Mm-hmm. But you got the gesturing that kind of pulls it away at times. So, you know. Well, at least at least we have a warning. That's the only thing I can say. I think, it, you know, those who are listening who are in California, I mean, I, I don't know. Thoughts are with you guys. Because, I mean, if we had earthqu- earthquakes to not really prepare for that just came on a whim, I, that terrifies so me. So the, <laughs> the year I moved to Kansas to start the marriage and father niches for Governor, then-Governor Brownback uh-huh. um, that first year, you only get a two-minute warning for a tornado. Oh, and I used to think, yeah. Well, this is a good thing about America. I mean, you know, Florida and, you know, the Gulf states, because, Ocean states, because 
we need to know a week ahead of time, mm-hmm. four or five days ahead of time. Yeah, we can they all get prepare with two, our chase lounges. <laughs> Two-minute warning is the best you can get for a tornado. Wow. Well, it's enough time like, to get underneath well, something and, I don't know, hold yeah. on to your mattress. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's tough. So, and how are and you, by the way? I'm doing great. I'm doing really good, thanks. It's always you know? a pleasure yeah, to see you. Yeah, thank you. I've had, I've had a, a little bit of a, a mishap with my house. I've had, I call it the zoo right now. I seem to have had, I don't know, creature after creature come in, and maybe it's because of the weather and the pressure. I don't really? know. My neighbors were all getting the same thing. So bugs are coming in. So I'm like, get the get the exterminators out there. So we've had, we've had a lot going on lately with no, bugs. No possums or raccoons. Or yeah, no, 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 just like that. no, just a copperhead snake that's hanging out. We've tried to get rid of that, and yeah, we've we've had some interesting little creatures around. So hey, probably I, keeping all the other things away. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. That's what mm-hmm. I. Said. I'm like, why aren't the lizards eating the ants, and then the snakes eating the <laughs> exactly? <laughs> it's a little circle of life. <laughs> all right. Well, this is not the reason that everybody's tuning in to hear about our zoo and our, our you know <laughs> our weather <laughs> predictions because we are not weathermen here, but uh, they do tune in to listen to our questions. Right. And these are not our questions. These are questions that come in from our listeners that Dr. Rick has no idea what's coming his way. So it is off the cuff answers. So I choose some questions that I think are going to make a difference. And this one comes from Lexi in Chicago. And she says, how can you tell the difference between a healthy start to a relationship and a narcissistic love bombing start? Whoa. How can you tell between a healthy relationship and a narcissistic love bombing? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Yes. Well, I think... And, and we had quite a few questions about this because people, you know, they start to date someone and they're automatic. I mean, they're just instantly love bombed. So they're swooning and thinking this is love and this person loves me and this is healthy and this is amazing. This is what love should be. But then they realize later down the road that it was a narcissistic beginning and not a healthy beginning to a relationship. Okay. I I get triggered by the word narcissistic because when I do, my psychologist background wants to think of a narcissistic personality disorder. We're think of a very selfish love bombing. Okay. Yes. If if we can think of it that way, my brain is easier to answer it because I think a narcissist, well, if it's narcissistic, you don't want to relationship with them anyway. Right, right. If it's a right, true right, narcissist, right. sure. So, I, I think the best way to think about it is let's answer it this way: What is a healthy relationship? All right. I, I think that the answer to that is a healthy relationship. Uh, this is a side note. It reminded me of our last week or two weeks ago when we had the conversation with Roger on do men love equally? E- you know, equally as just de- as de- women de- do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that was um, a great it, you know, question. It was. <laughs> It really was. Yeah, you got to listen to another show a few weeks ago because it was good. Yeah, and Roger talked about, you know, men love more deeply, so they tend to get involved in a much bigger way. Um, I think the answer to that is I think we're all going to, when we meet someone new, I think we all on some level become selfish. Become selfish when we meet someone? Oh, my gosh, I feel like I give more. Well, really? On some level, but are you giving to get as well? In other no. words, if I can love Giving you, if I'm... I can, I like you, I want you to like me, so we, we give and give mm-hmm. in order to get them to what? Like us, to put our best foot forward. I think that's normal, natural. I don't want to call it selfish. Oh, I think that's, that's interesting. Just, I think I, I just, give just to give, but you're saying you, you do give to get because sure. you give so that they like you more. Oh my gosh, it, I never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, let's okay. be honest, you know, I would say, 
um, you're showing them the person that you want them to see, not the mm. person that you are. Yes, we always you want to never put our go, best Oh, by the way, forward. let me show you all my baggage right here. <laughs> do you want to date me now, right? There's you know? a lot of people that do that. There is a lot of people that do that. And those are people you should not be around. Those are people. But at least they show you their true colors on the first date. When they unload their baggage on the first date, at least they give you an opportunity to run rather than to hold that. Because that's a lack of boundaries. That's a lack of wisdom. Yes. It's a lack of wisdom and knowing when to share what... When not to share, what to share, and what not to share. Is it boundaries or maturity? Wait, which ba- one? I think people with poor boundaries, oh. people who are immature, don't respect healthy boundaries. Okay, people who okay. are mature respect healthy boundaries. Got it. So I would say, I think on some level, we all want someone to like us and love us, and we sure do that. nothing wrong with that. So I think that's normal. I don't want to call that selfish. I go, that's just what we do, right? Um, I so healthy love respects another person. It treats him with dignity on all aspects of life and relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the key right there. Are you being respected? Um, are they honoring your thoughts and feelings? Are they are they um, respecting your boundaries? All right. If you say no, you can't talk to me this way. Do they do that? The narcissistic side, that highly selfish side, is in this to get what they want at your expense. So they're not going to respect your boundaries. Because they're trying to get you to love them the way that they want to be loved by you. Because let's be honest, that narcissistic is more to consume you and get control you so they can feel secure. Healthy relationships is we are going to feel secure. I think it's about really learning to form an us and also be individuals, which is what healthy marriage is about. Mm-hmm. But I think any healthy relationship is like that. Mm-hmm. So I would argue when you meet someone you start to get to know them. You don't share too much too early, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and there's there's a level of, of knowing and trusting that you go through and you, you trust that process. You just don't start sharing all your junk with someone who's you've just met. That's an acquaintance right now. Mm-hmm. Don't consider them an intimate friend because you don't have intimate friendship yet because that takes time to build, you see. And this is why so many people, when they get together, meet three weeks, they move in together right away and you wonder why those relationships don't work out as a group Mm -hmm. is because it was all the the neurochemical cocktail of oxytocin dopamine serotonin that drove you together not true knowing right yeah not true knowing i'm not sure if i'm answering it but that's the way i want to answer it no i think no i I get it i totally understand that i'm just thinking of relationships so is it a healthy start to a relationship let's say you know, um, you and I have just met. We mm-hmm. went out on a date. Uh, you respond afterwards and say, had a lovely time. I say, likewise, did as well. Great to see you tonight. Thank you. Then you send flowers the next day. Then you, the next day, send cupcakes just thinking of you. And then maybe the next day, send a teddy bear or, you know, something along the lines of, you know, just a gift every day to let you know they're thinking of you and, you know, make it. So that's what you're thinking of. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of, like love bombing and making sure they're saying all the right things. Good morning, beautiful. That's a person who doesn't understand the nature of the relationship and its boundaries yet. Okay. You're not at that level yet. And you lack understanding. This is a person you just went out with who's given you no indication that they're all in. And when you do that, 
that suggests not not that you I would argue that at that point you're trying to control. You're trying to control something to get someone to notice you and like you. Mm-hmm. But you're you're not recognizing this is not where this relationship is right now. Mm-hmm. Relationships develop and you've you've gone from, you know, A to X. Like you're not at X. You're at A. You gotta move to B. You see. And and so um in that situation I would argue that person's trying to control something because they're pretty insecure. So they're trying to get you to notice them and, and so that they can feel better. Yeah, that's what I see a lot. I see a lot of, at least on, you know, my girlfriend's side, you know, I see the men that are, are basically, they're trying to every morning love bomb you with a text message. Every afternoon love bomb you with a text message. Like there's so many, like way too much, way too far beyond what they should be texting. They're texting. And I'm like, wait, whoa, that's just too much. It's too much too soon. Here's what my brain just said when you when I was listening to you. It almost sends the message to the woman. Can we we'll use your example, these guys doing that I'm not independent, that I'm dependent. Mm, okay. Because of my dependency, I have to love bomb you because I'm afraid that I won't have you. Oh, so it's a codependency on the male side to the, attaching to the female, not yeah. making the female <clears throat> dependent on them, but more rather like a yeah. I mean, okay, or vice I, versa. Could be I would on say, a male, you know, if you and I went out and we spectrum. had a great time, and I sent you flowers the next day, had a great night. Hope you have a great day. That's all it says. Mm-hmm. That's just a gesture of friendship. Yes, kindness. And it and says, and I it like says, I, I like you. Yeah, but it would need to stop right there, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. just a gesture of hey, had a great time. Got it. it really was. You can. You can uh, um, email a bouquet of flowers, right? Mm-hmm. On an email, there's a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> a Great text time. It's like a text message. <laughs> and get a right? little meme of Something flowers. like that, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all <right. laughs> so, all righty. All right. Well, so yeah, ease up on the love bombing. I think it's a it's going to be a healthier start to a relationship. But right now, we are going to take a quick break, and we will come back and start talking about some serious stuff today. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Relate Well with Dr. Rick. People are like chameleons. As we change, we must adapt to ensure healthy, balanced relationships. The hallmarks of a healthy relationship are goodwill, respect, humility, and empathy. RelateWell teaches these core skills and gives you practical applications for a healthy, loving, and caring relationship with each other. Whether you're single, dating, or married, talk by Dr. Rick Marks, licensed counselor, clinical fellow, and marriage and family therapist, the Relate Well Core Program features nine online sessions, including an interactive PDF of the course manual. Millions of people look for the perfect match to share their life through improved and loving connections with the Relate Well Core Program. Call or visit relatewell.us. Welcome back to Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks. I am your co-host, Angelia Savage, and we are talking about a question that was just asked, actually, and it was about narcissistic relationships versus a healthy relationships. And of course, it always, you know, folds into our commercial breaks and we right. continue talking about it. And you were saying that a healthy relationship it resides over time. It does. It takes time to get to know somebody and it takes time. And the more time that you take and the more, I guess, that you allow, it allows for a healthy relationship. Yeah. I, I, I go back to uh, like Dr. Jim Talley wrote a book many, many years ago called Too Close, Too Soon. Yeah. You talk about this a book a lot. I think I, yeah. I want to read this book. It, it's really I haven't a good read this book. book. And he has a wonderful chart in there how men and women approach relationships. It's kind of, mm-hmm. a, you know, and a 
very general way. And um, I think if a guy is love bombing, he is trying to win something. And, and my personal opinion is it's probably sexual. You know, it, it's probably going to be sexual because men bond more through physical before they hit emotional, where it, Dr. Talley's research shows women tend to go from the friendship to the emotional to the physical. Men go from the friendship to the physical to the emotional. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So my hunch is it's more sex driven than it is. Um, I need to get to know you and build a friendship type thing. So if someone's love bombing, that's a real sign of dependency. Mm-hmm. Same time is if you're dating someone and they don't contact you, they're quiet, distant. So think about it this way. Healthy relationships um, are interdependent. Too much dependency is unhealthy. Too much independence is unhealthy. You need a good balance of interdependence. I'm my own person, but I want a connection at the same time. Mm-hmm. You have to have both in a healthy relationship. Right. And if someone's love bombing, that's going to be a sign of dependency. Now, the person who's being love bombs getting all this doping. Oh, they sent me this. I did this. Oh, they love me. I'm like, uh, you better be careful. This is not a good sign. This could be a pattern or something. Yeah. Oh, no, no. They do that because they love me. You don't have a way to think this through. If you step back and watch this pattern, this should be warning you of something. This person is trying to win you over for some reason. They're not letting you be you. They're love bombing you for what purpose? I think the word is called bomb. Mm, that's exactly what happens, right? It explodes it's a, it, later. It, 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 it will explode here. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? Mm-hmm. And when you drop a bomb on someone, you're doing something to them. So when you're love bombing, they're doing something to you. It just doesn't look like in the early stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about respecting the relationship and allowing relationships to progress. You know, how to avoid marrying a jerk talks about that. Things you need to know about a person before you really start trusting them and moving to the physical or, or, or relying on someone. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good work out there, but if you've seen this love bombing, that's just a sign that mm, you might want to step aside. And I've learned and from you, I, sorry, I've learned from you that we all wear a mask in the beginning. We've yes. talked about this many times because I mean, in every relationship, we want people to like us. We're just it's human nature, so we're always going to put our best foot forward, whether it's dressing nice or you know saying nice things or being the best person that we can be in front of you. We're not waking up and you know just going straight out on a date with no makeup or not quaffing our hair, no perfume, no you know we're not doing that. So some people may. I mean, you know, <laughs> kudos to you if you could just wake up and do that. But most of us put the best foot forward, and so when we wear that mask. That's to an extent, but if we're wearing that mask in order to snow the other person or to get the other person addicted to that behavior, that's a good term. Then that's when it's a problem because you do get addicted to that. I mean, I've been in a situation myself and, you know, I have had someone love bomb me in the beginning and I was like swooning. I was in love this person couldn't have been any better to me. And later, when the mask came off, I realized, oh my gosh, that's not who this person was. They were doing a great job to snow me. So could I ask a question around that? Sure, yeah. I think it'd be helpful for our listeners to, to hear, and they'll understand it by my question. Once that you got to that realization, which took time, right? It takes time, yes. The question is, did you lose a sense of yourself in the in the journey? I lost every sense of myself. Really, I lost it all. That's the point of the bombing. Mm-hmm. 
is that you lose you. Yes. So that your identity and value is wrapped up in me. That's exactly what happened. 100% I lived for this person because they reeled me in like a little fish. They cast the little line and reeled me in like a little fish. And I dangled on the little fish line day in, day out, working to for the adoration of this person. And even if a person like that cuts you loose, you lose your, because you've lost your sense of self, you feel mm-hmm. like I've got what's wrong with me. You, 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 I mean, you, you tend to blame yourself for all that kind of stuff, right? For sure. Or if they yeah. dangle something back out, you, you go bite. You, you go, go right go, back. You, and, yes. it's a, and it's an extreme high. Yes. So whenever they do give you that carrot, it's an extreme high. You're like, ah, everything is great. It's great. It's where it was. And then they drop you again. You know, yes. or then, you know, whatever the love bombing stops, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, it's it's not a fun time to be yeah, <laughs> in a relationship I, with a narcissist in know, any it, capacity, work or love. And thank you for that, because as you're sharing this, you're, I think you're giving our listeners some great insight to maybe the answer to the real question. A healthy relationship, you will always be you. Mm hmm. Or I remember a friend of mine, uh, when a some he had like four daughters, right? Yeah. If somebody wanted to date one of his daughters, mm-hmm. uh, they had to answer a question. Mm-hmm. Well, they do an interview with dad, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, he, he's kind of that old school this way. But he, they had to answer, answer this question. And I actually loved the question. What was that? You guys are probably going to break up at some point because you're just in high school. Right. Having dated you, how will my daughters be a better person having dated you? Mm-hmm. And if they couldn't answer that question, yeah, he didn't allow it. Yeah, but you think about that question. It's like that's a great question. That's an awesome question. <laughs> How is she going to be better? Yeah. having dated you. Yeah, or- and I think there's there's great wisdom in that question Uh, yeah that's a i mean yeah you want to hear the answer to that and vice versa i mean how will my son be better dating you you know i mean i think that's both for for sons and daughters or for anybody that you love in fact i mean you want whoever that your love you know your child or your anyone that you know friends whatever is in a relationship you want to know how that person's going to better that person's life because otherwise what do you have them for Yes. You can and, do it on your own. And, and the other thing is, you know, those who kind of get the love bomb and follow that and then lose their sense of self, we, we can step back and go, what is about you that's allowing, your, allowing this person to strip you of your value and worth? And the answer is simple. Mm-hmm. I feel so loved. I've never felt so pleasurable. I've never felt so valued. I'm like, you know, it's called manipulation. Mm-hmm. But, it but does, you don't see it. You don't see you it. You don't see it. You don't see it. And yeah. this is the power of the psychopath, the narcissist, the antisocial. This is this is their brilliance, mm-hmm. is their ability to manipulate and control because they know exactly who who to, who to do it to and the and how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but they can't hide themselves long. You found uh, that, right? It takes a little while. Sometimes you find out, you know, it takes a while. It took me a little while. I mean, I would say it takes a while for you to, you know, finally unravel all of the mess. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. You don't see it. You can't see it. You know, perhaps your, I don't know, maybe your your upbringing was this type of, you know, atmosphere, narcissistic, and that's where you feel comfortable. That's your comfort mm-hmm. zone, even though it's tumultuous. That's where you're comfortable. 
Yeah. So you don't leave. And I mean, odds are, I mean, I, I've done the research when you've been in a narcissistic relationship, you tend to go back. Even if you are able to extricate yourself from the situation, odds are you go back because you need that person to, to help you feel alive again, because you won't feel ever that way again, unless you're with that person. That's what you tell your mind. That is great insight for our listeners. It's just like a drug. It's just like a drug. Have you ever this heard is people the- who are drug addicted. They will stop the drug and they live a normal life, but they never feel that high again. So they will always crave or want that high. So that's why they go back to drugs because that normal life is not that extreme high. Yeah. Thank you, Angelique, because it just re-triggered a, um, something I thought about a long time. We always talk about sex addiction, you know, like our essay groups. But there are those who link this sex addiction with something else called love addiction. Mm. And there are love addiction support groups. There are what are called sex and love addiction support groups. SLA like groups. addicted to love. Addicted to the, <laughs> like, like yeah, the song, I would say. Addicted to love by yeah, Robert yeah, Palmer? Yeah, true. <laughs> addicted to love? Yeah. <laughs> okay. A- addicted to the feeling oh. of being loved. So does that mean they jump from relationship to the relationship because they feel that high here and then it yes. just dissolves and so then words, they go to the next one to feel that high? Yes. Okay. okay. And that's Got why it. you see people in serial relationships over and over. They'll break up, go to another one. Why? Because they're looking for the high of the dopamine, the serotonin. Right. Okay. I mean, because it kind of makes sense. If I feel that dopamine, right, uh-huh. then I interpret that feeling. Or I like the way Craig Knocken puts it. He says the intensity of the experience is confused as intimacy mm, okay. in his book on the addictive personality. And I think that's, a, that's, that's an accurate portrayal of it. That you have such an intense experience, mm-hmm. that experience gets confused as intimacy. Mm, okay. So if I want to feel intimate with you, then I got to have more of that feeling. Yeah. Your so brain I, has interlapped those two or overlapped yeah, those two. And intensity is not intimacy. Mm-hmm. It is not. It's just intensity. Yeah. You know. Gosh, this, um, this is a web that's woven for days. We could just keep talking about so much. I mean, this is exactly what I think everybody, you know, that um, is struggling to find a relationship out there um, or get through a relationship and even heal from a relationship, a narcissistic relationship or, you know, your partner, you'd like to, to change them in that you yeah. know aspect. So if I could ask then. If, if you could give a summary, how did you pull, what did you have to do to pull yourself out of that to, to kind of reclaim yourself again? Um, I mean, thank goodness I did have a very strong upbringing and a healthy upbringing. And I think that's what really helped me along with you and your guidance with Relate Well and the skills that I learned mm-hmm. through you and Relate Well to become the person that I used to be, it took a long time because it does take time. I mean, I was, you know, it was probably a few years, you know, maybe after that relationship, probably about a year, year and a half that it took to get back to where I was feeling like I felt normal again. And I remember friends and family, my mom said, you know, you seem like you're you again. And that took a long time and a lot of work because you're hurt, you're damaged, 
um, you are searching for that high again and you don't trust yourself once you've been in a narcissistic relationship from the other side because you think that if I chose this person and I chose so wrongly, I shouldn't choose again because Mm. I shouldn't trust myself to choose. If I was snowed by someone and I feel like I'm an intelligent person, I'm an intelligent person who should be able to see I mean, it was difficult. It was a difficult process to get through, but thank goodness for you and Relate Well, it's helped me a lot. And, you know, a lot of people, you've helped a lot of people that I know and, you know, narcissism. I think you need a little bit of help to get out, you know, to get through it to the other side. So we need a good support system. You got to reclaim yourself. You got to start believing yourself again, questioning the lies you've told yourself through all that and the, mm-hmm. one, and the lies they told you. Yeah. And, and I think the big piece is for our listeners is something you really emphasize. It takes time. It does. Just be patient. Oh, and you think it's you're never going to see the light yeah. at the end of the and tunnel. And I would say, so. don't go jump into another one while it, you're healing. Exactly. Exactly. Deal first. That's what I did. I, I prayer and lots of time. I gave it so I could get mm. back into a healthy relationship. So, Amen. so there is hope out there. There's prayer and there's relate well for anybody who's listening and having to deal with a re- narcissistic relationship. So, yeah, you know, look into relate well for sure because Doctor Rick can help you through it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break right now, and we will be back in a moment. You're listening to Relate Well with Doctor Rick. We'll see you in a moment. Dr. Richard Marks is a licensed professional counselor and clinical fellow with the AAMFT and an ordained minister. His education and training is exemplary. He holds a PhD in counseling psychology and a master's in marriage and family therapy, as well as religious education. Throughout his life, Dr. Rick has taught graduate school, managed psychiatric hospitals, held private practice, and is a U.S. Navy veteran. He has served as commissioner on the Florida Commission on Healthy Marriage, as well as started the statewide Healthy Family Initiative in Kansas under Governor Brownback. He is an author and founder of the Relate Well Relationship Skills Program. As the founder of Relate Well, Dr. Marks provides singles, premarital, and married couples the tools they need to lead a healthy, mature relationship. And we teach skills for attachment, we teach skills for bonding, we teach skills for confiding, for communication, problem solving. We'll even teach you how to regulate emotional energy so you can be angry instead of not. In addition, he trains in corporations and organizations the essentials of emotionally healthy leadership. He's been featured as a guest on numerous TV stations and radio shows in Jacksonville. Dr. Marks resides in Jacksonville with his wife, Luella, who have been married since 1984, and they have three adult children. If Dr. Marks can serve your organization, business, church, or if you're seeking help through counseling and coaching, visit drrickmarks.com or relatewell.us or call 904-724-8683. Welcome back to Relay Well with Dr. Rick Marks. I'm your co-host, Angelia Savage, and we are talking uh, some really great questions. Great mm-hmm. questions. Did I just sound like Donald Duck? I mean, what was that? <laughs> Thanks for hanging in there for us in Donald Duck moments. But yeah, so we've had uh, some really good questions that have come in over the years and and some stump you and, you know, we always get great, great, uh, you know, information from you and, you know, sharing our stories, both of us, you know, I I think think it's helpful. Your story with this last question really helps, I think, a lot of women particularly to really step back and think about what is really behind all this love bombing. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, could be narcissism and a very, very insecure person who's just seeking to control you and, and basically consume you so that you no longer are you, you are them and that your value and worth is based on them. And that's a form of slavery. It, it's a form of, of manipulation I and mean, all of that. Yes. It, yeah. It's not anything you want to be a part of. So if anybody's been in it and it, you can certainly recognize it, I think when you're out of the relationship, but I don't know that everyone sees it when they're in it. Yeah. And I think this is important, uh, kind of a warning shot across the bow. I know I'm a Navy guy, so I, I you know, I, I use a lot of nautical terms, mm-hmm. but I think this is a good warning shot. I remember a woman who came to me years ago, she met a guy uh, here in Jacksonville, a little local honky tonk, you know, they go dance and everything. So they meet, they start dating within a week, four months later, they're living together. Five months later, he's cleaned out her bank account. <gasps> oh, gosh. And she's all upset and all hurt. Oh. And I said, why did you give him your PIN number? Well, I loved him. You don't even know him. This is where that whole idea of John Van Eth's work on, jerk, on a jerk relationship attached model comes in play. You trusted far more than you know. Why would she do that? She was being love bombed. Five months in, that was not enough time to realize whether she knew this person or not? Is when that not enough in, time? When you, when you move in within three months, you don't know someone. Not in three months. Oh, I think that's very interesting. Because I mean, I do know, know lots somebody, of people who have no, moved in in I six know. months and, you and know, all, gotten married. And the majority and, of those, and, well, and what's the, the data? Uh-huh. If you live together prior to marriage, your divorce risk is like the upper 80%. Wow. They don't last. They don't last. Living together prior to marriage, statistically, mm-hmm. is a path to divorce. Mm-hmm. The idea of trial marriage from the 70s, research shows, actually doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you, you know. marry quickly? What if you just, I don't know. Marrying quickly doesn't You just either. date for a little while. You never live together. And then you marry in three months. And now you got to How, know, then you gotta get to know that person afterwards. Now, that, that's not to say that hasn't <laughs> happened. Luella and I, we only dated, what, from August to February. But you had known each other but for like two years. But we had been friends yeah. for two and a half, you know, three years. Mm-hmm. She just wouldn't date me because she was in denial. Mm-hmm. But when she finally, you know, turned her heart to that. Yeah. We got engaged and we're married and we've been together all these years. But let's be honest, we still we still have a lot to learn about each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Well, speaking of you and Luella, how many times have you laughed over the years? Me? Yeah. I laugh a lot. Okay. And I laugh a lot. Would you say that you've laughed more than you've cried together over the years? Mm, I would say yes. Maybe because... I Lola tends to be the the more you know stoic, you know uh, serious serious one. run the household. Yeah, get things done. Me, I like brevity. I like humor. Uh-huh. Um, something's happening. I'll find some reason to laugh about it. Mm-hmm. I really take to heart the proverb that says laughter does good like a medicine. It's so right? true. It, I think yeah. it is. I mean, you know, I, if you're if you're yeah. sad or unhappy or I mean, anything going on, if you can make yeah. yourself laugh or somebody can make you laugh, I mean, that that just changes your entire yeah. mode. You know, it's scripture talks about having a cheerful heart. Mm-hmm. I really take that seriously. But partly because I think growing up in the brokenness of of my home, I found that laughter was a good way to release pain and hurt, mm-hmm. number one, but also 
it allowed me not to take things too serious. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the benefits of laughter. Mm-hmm. Something may be happening, and then you can step back and and laugh. That lets you know, okay, yeah, there's this issue here, but there's something bigger in the world as well. And I don't have to live my life so consumed about this. I forget the other things in life. Mm-hmm. So I love watching comedy, you know, and um, I, do I, too. I, I'm like, comedy. I, use, I don't know if you know <laughs> this. Pretty much all of them I've watched. So. I don't know if you know this of me. I don't think I've ever shared it with you. I used to do stand up comedy. You didn't. I did. Get out. Now, I okay, never, get, I maybe never we did need it to put as you me. on the spot and do what something. Right. So someday. I never did it as me. I did as, it as a character. I was more like oh, um, okay. Carol Burnett always said, you know, she never did, she never did comedy, stand up comedy as herself. Yeah, true. She was always a role. Yeah, she and was dressed up and always I a role. Gosh, That's I how she those became shows. so famous as a comedian because she was funny. Uh-huh. But she did it as someone else. And, and if you read some of her, her thinking was, it's not me when I'm doing it. It's that person. Mm, it's that alternate yeah. ego yeah. of hers. So yeah. I had two alternate egos. That's what Beyonce does when she yeah. goes on stage. It's her yeah. alternate ego that she's dancing on stage. She turns, she morphs into somebody else. Yeah. It's and, not her. And and so, like, that's so wild. It's like you're two different people. Yeah. And so one of my characters was, um, I called him Dr. Darby B. Williams. Okay. PhD. He had a... Um, Dr. Williams has, now this is my alter ego. For those who are listening, remember, this is my alter ego. Yes. This is my character I do, do stuff with. Uh, he had a PhD in psychoceramics. Psychoceramics. He works with crackpots. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my <laughs> so goodness. He, he works with crackpots. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Okay, that's good. And, 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 you know, and Dr. Darby would get up and, and just kind of spoof life and marriage and relationships. And, yeah. I would just have a great time being that guy. He had a really weird outfit. Uh-huh. And the other one was a redneck. I call him, uh, he had a TV show called Commentaries on Life and Love by Bubba. Okay. And Bubba worked for the BBC, the Bubba Broadcasting Corporation. Okay. All right. So not and, not to be confused with the British Brit- Broadcasting. Yeah, different BBC for Bubba. <laughs> okay. Redneck. I always uh-huh. wore bib overalls. Okay. You know, and a baseball cap. And, uh, and Bubba was a redneck. Okay. You know, and Bubba would talk about things. Uh And usually when I would do Bubba, then Dr. Marks would come out afterwards and basically correct everything Bubba was talking about. Oh, good idea. Oh, that's good. So Bubba was a redneck who wants to control, and he's funny. Uh-huh. But then I have to come back and correct the things he talks about in reality. Oh, that's kind of good. So I, I like that. I would that. use that, you know, point counterpoint. And that's uh-huh. how I used Bubba for, you know. Okay. You know, my, my woman, she does what I tell her to do. You know, uh-huh. that kind of stuff, you okay. know, and, and he's funny as all these jokes and stuff he tells. But in the end, uh, you don't want to listen to Bubba. Okay. So, so you did this stand up comedy in I would some do of your presentations. When I went to do uh-huh. a marriage seminar, yeah. I would do it there. I would do it different places. That's great. So, because, I mean, I think we learn more through laughter. Does that make sense? Yes. I think I absorb more through laughter. Even my pastor at church, the uh, the pastors that I love are typically the funny ones that I totally connect with. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody who is maybe more reserved doesn't connect with that as much, but I do. I love comedy and I love people who are funny. And if and you it, can teach me in a funny way, I will remember, remember, remember. But if I'm sitting there listening to ba 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 monotone, I my eyes glaze over. I'm yeah. like ready to go to sleep. <laughs> Jim Rohn, who's one of the great teachers in personal development, sure. uh, has a series called 
the twelve impeccable, the twelve traits that have an impeccable character, mm-hmm. and one of those twelve is always maintain a sense of humor. Okay. And recently, laughing at yourself, laughing, laughing at, at yourself, else. laughing at the world, just laughter. Okay. And you know, I have just been going back. I don't know why. Um, <clears throat> I've been watching speeches by Ronald Reagan. Oh, that's and interesting. Ronald Reagan was brilliant at the use of humor. He was. In he was speech. great. He was yes, he could be really funny. Uh-huh. You see, and so I think good humor is always used mm-hmm. appropriately. Yeah. You know, um, what is it? The uh, um, Red Skelton, of course, young millennials don't know that name today, but Red Skelton was, was funny as can be. Robin Williams said he learned a much from Jonathan Winters and Red Skelton. That's who Robin Williams would study, those two guys. But those two men never used perverseness, foul mouth to get laughs. They were funny. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to lower and debase themselves to get a laugh. You see a lot of that today. But great comedians can can create laughter. Yeah. And I think laughter does good like a medicine, all right, number right. one. And in, I think in marriage, it allows you to just laugh at each other, laugh yeah. at life, and brevity. Yeah. Don't take things so serious. Find a way to just laugh. And we can come back at the break. I know we got a break here in a minute. Yeah. We'll talk about what are the benefits of laughter. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. We've got to take a quick break now and we will be back in a moment. You're listening to Relate Well with Dr. Rick. We'll see you in a few minutes. Healthy, loving relationships are essential for a happy life. On Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks and co-host Angelia Savage, you'll learn the principles for healthy, mature relationships. They share personal journeys, biblical and clinical insights that will challenge and inspire you to create fulfilling relationships in every aspect of life. Sundays at 5 p.m. on 97.1 The Truth and ilovethetruth.com. When we relate well, we will live well. And to live well, we must relate well. Welcome back to Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks. I'm your co-host, Angelia Savage, and we're talking laughter today. So this is a good moment because we both love to laugh. I mean, both of us are are big into laughing. And I think it's good. I think it's healthy just in your everyday, you know, affairs with anyone, you know, talking to anyone. But it's also great in a relationship because relationships are hard. And especially over the years, if you're not laughing at yourselves and laughing with each other, then that's going to be a very long marriage. Yeah, because you don't have a cheerful heart. And a cheerful heart, the Bible talks about that. It does good like a medicine. Now, if you think about that verse, how can laughter do good like a medicine? Mm-hmm. Brain research shows us now. Right. The more you laugh, the more you increase serotonin in your brain. Mm-hmm. Serotonin depletion is what creates clinical depression. Mm-hmm. So if you laugh, you create a lot of serotonin. You ward off depression. Yeah. Learn to laugh. Matter of fact, when I was graduating with my doctorate I, uh, at, at Southwestern Seminary, I went into the bookstore there, and there was this, it's actually in my office uh, in the lobby. I saw this picture. Now, most people see, you know, people, you always ask, how do you see God? And they might, he's on a throne, whatever. There is a picture, and it was a window, and so it's on the outside of a house, and these two guys are painting the outside of the house, but they're kind of splashing each other paint, and they're laughing. Mm-hmm. Jesus is in the outside of the house with his arm on the window, looking out at them, laughing <laughs> with them. Okay. <laughs> and all it says at the bottom is joy giver. Oh, okay, And I remember very standing nice. down like, I want that. Well, Lola yeah. told somebody, and they went and bought it for me and gave it to me as a graduation present. Aww. And I had it framed, and it's been with me everywhere. Right. Because I said, 
that's how I see the Lord. Makes you happy. He's not always stoic and distant. Yeah. When you're laughing, he's right there laughing alongside you. Yeah. You see? <laughs> Sometimes when I, mean, I pray, I'm like, God, you must find me comical. Like, I, yeah. I, I hope I brought a smile to your face because what I just did was really silly. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I do that sometimes. I don't know why, but I'm like, I'll pray. I'll be like, that was really silly. I hope you made you laugh, God, Cause, because some moments are, are funny moments. But, you know, I don't want to I don't want this to be confused with when you were talking earlier. I was thinking of, you know, whenever they do those roasts. Whenever yes. they roast someone, they put someone on their throne and then, you know, all of the friends and everyone gets together and they laugh at somebody who's laughing at someone. Right. And I don't think that that's good no. or that's healthy. I was going to ask your opinion. So no. I think that that's laughter in such a negative way. I don't think that's good for the roastee, the one who's on the throne, who's being roasted. I don't think that's healthy. And I don't think that that's a good moment for anyone. It doesn't make anyone look good who is roasting someone. And it doesn't make the person who's being roasted feel good. So in a relationship, bringing that in, I think of relationships where maybe maybe dad is making fun of mom or mom is making fun of dad in front of the kids at the spouse's expense. And so, yes, everybody's laughing, but that's not a healthy laughter. I think, and you see this a lot in comic today, they'll use, com- comedians will attack a person and then hide their attack. Well, it's just comedy. Just being funny. You, you can it's be just very kidding. hurtful. Try that. At, if I do that with my wife, oh, it's just, I'm just being funny. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. Your sarcasm, you, you call comedy, is actually an attack. How can you make someone understand that and see that, though? Because I hear that a lot in couples where they make fun of each other or they say something in front of couples at their spouse's expense, and they're like, what? I was just kidding. JK, just kidding. And they're always hiding behind, oh, everybody else laughed. Everybody else thought it was funny. I was being funny. Everybody laughed at me. So laughter can be negative, too. Good, good humor, healthy humor is never at the expense of another person. When you look at folks like Ronald Reagan and others who use humor masterfully, they never attack the person. Mm-hmm. He may talk about my Democrat friends. That's a generalization. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> you always said, you know, if the governor knocks on your door and says, how can I help you? You're in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's poking fun at himself because he's in government. He's the government, right. He's in government, you see. Mm -hmm. And so he would make those kind of comical statements. And many were very, very funny, Mm -hmm. you know. But he never did it at the expense of a person. He did it at an ideology. Yeah, group or or ideology. uh, But he never went after a person, you see, Mm -hmm. in a comical way. Because in the end, it's not funny. It's a a form of attack. Mm -hmm. I get people want to call it that. But in the end, it isn't funny. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly when they've not asked for that. So how do you make somebody understand or see that, though? That's, well, that was my question, because, you know, laughter is great, but it can also be a double edged sword. So I, I always go by what people ask. I don't know if you make someone. What I do is that I appeal to, hey, could I share a thought with you? I'm wondering, since everyone else laughed, I'm wondering how your wife took it. I'm wondering mm-hmm. how your husband took that statement. Mm hmm. Does it bother you that they don't see it as funny? Well, I just meant it. I'm not saying you didn't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, though, if they felt it because that joke was at them. Mm-hmm. It's at their expense mm-hmm. without their permission. 
you know, you talk about people roasting. Well, people who are roasted chose to go into that hot seat, uh, right? <laughs> they chose to go there. We're, I, think, I don't know we're how here they do to, it willingly. We're here to roast, think... you know, Ronald, Ronald Reagan. We're here to roast, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh-huh. But they chose to go there. It's, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be a fun night, and they know they're going to be attacked. They, yeah. they, they know it's coming. They don't know what's coming, but they know it's coming. Yeah. But in the situation of marriage, uh-uh, you're harming your partner. You see, I, 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 I try never, and I think Lord could say, I don't ever make jokes about her, even in public. Mm-hmm. You know, I may when if I do make a joke, it's usually directed at me and who I was, yeah, and what I did wrong. Because I, I'm a pretty good speaker, and I'm, I'm, I'm funny. People go, "You're just this great speaker, but you use humor like crazy." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like keep brevity because sometimes I say some pretty hard things, but I like to give a little bit of brevity to it as well. You mm-hmm. see, so the brain can handle it. But I don't do it expensively. Well, it's disrespectful. Yeah, so I, so I think I think a good way is to think of. Is your comedy respectful? Is there goodwill in what you're doing? Yeah, I was thinking when you were speaking that um, is this is this helping us? Yes, yeah, a great way to put it. You know, I mean, because that's what you say all the time. I mean, us has to be what's thriving, and if it's not helping us, but it's helping the individual be funny or the individual get their point across that their spouse is whatever they don't agree with. Mm-hmm. at their spouse's expense because i mean i've been at dinners before where people they make fun of their spouse what they're eating how they're eating what they're not eating how they, whatever it is they make fun of them and i look at them like that's not funny like why are you making fun of her everyone, why are you making fun of him like, people are going to laugh out of a sense of i don't know what to do with this they uncomfortable yeah everyone knows what you did was an mm-hmm. attack yep you just don't want to accept that I was an attack because mm-hmm. humor can be used as a weapon. Yeah. Sarcasm can be is a weapon. Mm-hmm. It's a form of dirty fighting. Right. Seeing. Exactly. Just to, to to win. Yes. I guess is really what it is. Yes. I mean, and, it's all about winning. Yes. And, and, you know, I think one of the greatest things that um, it was an article on, on the points of laughter marriage. It talked about the benefits and real quick. What are the benefits of laughter? You know, mm-hmm. when it, the research shows it reduces stress and tension. It increases the stimulation of your immune system, right? It increases the natural painkillers in your blood system. I mean, think of it. The more you laugh, the healthier you're going to be, right? That's a good – I like that oh, one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all you want know, to be healthier. It, Let's we, just continue laughing throughout the day. <laughs> people who are angry or fearful or pent up uh-huh. increase blood pressure. Laughter decreases your blood pressure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Those kind of things. I think it also lifts your spirits. I think – and I call it a sense of brevity – because when you have a, list, a sense of brevity, your spirit lifts. You're not so weighted down anymore. You mm-hmm. can look, you can look beyond this and see something else mm-hmm. that there's still good in the world, right? You know, there's still something to laugh about, yeah. right? Yeah, especially in today's day and age, oh, we've yeah. got so much going on. Yeah. Let me get your thoughts on this, though. Okay. I love there's a biographer, um, Agnes Replier, I guess maybe is how you say it, mm-hmm. and she said, I like this quote. We cannot really love anybody with whom we never laugh. What are your thoughts on that? We can never really love anybody with whom we never laugh. Can you really love someone you don't laugh with? Is that possible? You know, I have to go. I've never heard that quote. I'm thinking about it as I'm sitting here based on my knowledge experience and my own journey. I would I would tend to agree with that statement. Right? I'm thinking yeah. you don't do you really connect with somebody that you don't laugh with? Maybe on a different level you could, 
connect with them? I mean, I don't know. I think couples who don't laugh together have lost part of the joy of life. Mm-hmm. They've lost some of the meaning in life. Mm-hmm. If you're just always serious, that's not human. We are created to laugh. I mean, Scripture talks about in the Old Testament, right? Cheer, cheerful heart. It does good like a medicine. Mm-hmm. So you have all these biblical principles about laughing and living living in the moment and not getting so caught up mm-hmm. in things where anger and fear rules your heart. Mm-hmm. I think laughter is a great place to be. Plus, laughter allows us laughter allows us to, to look at something together mm-hmm. and it says, you know what? We can even laugh at ourselves. Yeah. We can, and I like how you just brought the idea of us. We can laugh at ourselves even in what we're doing but we're still going to be okay. Yeah. I think la- laughter allows that meaning to happen. Yeah. And laughter as a team, I think it it conquers all. I mean, think of just friendships with laughter. Those that you laugh with, you bond with. Mm-hmm. So that's outside of a marriage. So if you bring that into a marriage and you know each other even more intimately than you do your friendships and you laugh together... And we do things, you can conquer the world. You do things playful that bring a smile. Yesterday, I was Luau said, "All right, I want you to I want you to grill the chicken and the hamburger." So I was in the backyard grilling, and she came out, you know, and she's looking at me, and then she starts, you know, raising her eyebrows at me, and like <laughs> just kind of looking at like being Be, sensual because right? you're doing acts of service. Possibly, she, she loves. I think she, she loves knows whenever you're helping. It, it, she's <laughs> being playful language. like that, you know. Uh-huh. And, and I just started smiling. <laughs> you know, she smiled back and went in the house. That's the kind of laughter and brevity uh-huh. about life yeah. that I think creates, makes marriage fun, uh, interesting, and and just last. Me- yeah, last. It makes it last. And yeah. it doesn't seem like it's been a daunting. What is it? 36 years you guys have been together? 38. February, 38. February. 38. So yeah. that laughter will make it seem like it's not 38 years. Yeah. With no laughter, mm, it probably it makes it feel like, like it's forever. 80 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, if you would like to learn to lead a life through all for the protectors in all of your relationships and learn how to develop the tools that create us in your marriage, us in your family, or even us in the workplace, then register for the online Relate Well core program. You can register for Relate Well as a single or couple and just register online today at relatewell.us. That's relatewell.us. And if you're looking for private relationship counseling or life coaching from Dr. Rick, then call 904-724-8683. That's 904-724-8683. Well, this has been another informative show from Relate Well with Dr. Rick Marks to help you live your best life. And remember until next week, Relate Well to Live Well. We want to invite you to visit RelateWell.us. Whether you're single or a couple, come learn what a healthy relationship looks like and then put it into practice. For relationship counseling, contact Dr. Rick at RelateWell.us. I know this road is getting hard. I heard you say it's overwhelming. I said I'd never be too far, and I meant that from the heart. I see the mountain getting high, I see it stacking up against you. 
I always said you were a fighter But you've got your doubts tonight Well I'm here to remind you
forsake me 